We are forever wounded healers, but we can, we can be transformed through intimacy with God from simply wounded, simply consumed by our pain into using those very things for our own transformation through the grace of God and for the transformation of the people we encounter. This is Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. Welcome to Four People with Bishop Rob Wright. I'm your host, Melissa Rao, and this is a conversation inspired by Bishop Wright's Four Faith Weekly Devotion sent out every Friday. You can find a link to this week's Four Faith and a link to subscribe in the episode's description. Good morning, Bishop. Good morning. Uh, You called this week's devotion Intimacy. And you refer to Moses and how his great reformation for the Hebrew people grew out of an intimacy with God. And I think this theme is a loaded one. (laughs) Um, So before we get into all that, can you talk more about the overall concept of intimacy with God? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, the, the point I'm, I'm trying to make here, you know, here's, a, here's what's great. I've said this before. Here's what's great about living with Scripture, living with the stories. And it, it, it's because, you know, at one age or one station in your life, you know, something pops out about these stories and it's, it's wonderful and it speaks to you then. But then as you go along uh, and live with it like a friend or like a spouse, um, you begin to see other dimensions of it. And so, you know, uh, as I have read it previously, you know, I have been really interested in um, Moses' call, God's call to Moses uh, as someone who is a, a felon hiding in a in a wilderness town. He married the right girl. He joined his father-in-law's business and then is pointed back to Egypt. I got really interested in that. But I guess as I'm getting older, uh, I'm slowing things down and I'm seeing other dimensions. And, and all of that starts, all of that, with Moses's mother and her trust uh, of God with her baby. Uh, she ends up uh, at the palace raising her own son, uh, for Pharaoh's uh, for Pharaoh's wife, um, and uh, so there's a real intimacy there. Uh, and then now we find Moses trying to run away, and God refusing to give up on Moses. And uh, it all begins with his whispered name. I mean, there's the blazing bush, but he whispers his name. And how do you and I, you know, how do you and I, how did you and I get started in the intimate relationships that we got started in? It was with a hand extended and hi, I'm Melissa. Hi, I'm Rob. And that turns into trusting partnerships and friendships and can even turn into marriage. I remember uh, the exchange of names when I met my wife a thousand years ago, uh, you know, in England, it was just, hi, I'm Rob. And she said, hi, I'm Beth. And, uh, you know, here we are 25 years later with five kids. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really interested in the fact of, of, of how it changes things to be known by God, deeply known, and to know God. And what that means not only for us uh, as the beloved of God, but also what does that mean? You know, what's that, what's that rocket fuel like? 
in being known by God because Moses goes from that place to change history. And so many men and women who we can talk about have had these relationships with God where they felt known, deeply known, and they've gone on to do amazing, amazing things. So that's that's what caught that's what captured me in this story. Mm. So what then would you say intimacy with God requires of us and what gets in the way of intimacy with God? Yeah. So I think I think what intimacy with God requires um, is a willingness, uh, maybe a curiosity. Let's start there. I mean, God is always standing there, whispering our name, and uh, you know, it just uh, it just begs a little bit of curiosity from us. Um, uh, sometimes, you know, it begs a little wonder. We look up at the moon. We had a full moon just the other day. Um, I was I was way out in uh, in Texas not too long ago, and looking up at a sky. Not not a lot of skyscrapers out there. Just uh, the stars. Um, and so sometimes wonder uh, invites us into who are you, God, and who am I, and what does this whole thing mean? Um, so wonder and curiosity. Sometimes uh, intimacy gets started with a friend uh, of ours, or maybe even a, a pastor or a preacher or somebody that we know, grandma, somebody that we know who has had a relationship with God and says, hey, you ought to get to know my God, not in those words, but but in their ways, they are, you know, amazingly generous or amazingly kind or incredibly loving. And then we want to get to know the friend that they keep pointing to. Um, I think about that. I think sometimes uh, intimacy with God begins in tragedy and catastrophe. We are laid low by life. And, uh, and in those moments of, of feeling so vulnerable, so fragile, we feel our mortality. Uh, then we reach out uh, to the God that's been standing there all along. The obvious lines uh, are to begin to talk to God in prayer, not the pretty prayers that that we have manicured in our tradition sometimes, but, you know, those wonderful wonderful prayers like hey and help and wow, uh, you know, great prayers. And then, of course, Scripture. Uh, is getting to know who has who has God been over all so many millennia to other people, and beginning to develop a character sketch, you know, in that way. And anything? Do you feel like there's anything that that we could be doing that leads to, um, you know, the demise of intimacy? Like what gets in the way of intimacy with God? Yeah, I, I think God. Uh, because God, you know, as one person has said, you know, uh, God is a gentleman, not a bully. So God is a gentle person, not a bully. And so God is not trying to crowbar God's self into our lives. Um, you know, God is standing there. Um, and anything you and I could ever do is only response to God. God is always the primary mover. God is always the initiator. And so what crowds that out is... is um, uh, self-centeredness. Uh, what crowds that out is is fear. We're overcome with fear. Uh, what crowds that out sometimes can be pain. Uh, we experience pain so much that we then channel that pain into vengeance or despair. 
Um, and so, so that, that crowds out God, you know, God's first language is, uh, is, uh, I have said is, uh, is silence. And I think God's, uh, megaphone sometimes, uh, is time. And so sometimes we don't, we don't have time for God. Uh, we're, 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 we're so busy. Um, and it's not that God can't break in, but, uh, to time, but God seems to be, you know, uh, standing there waiting when we want to make some time. I mean, it's a funny thing, isn't it? We're in, uh, thoroughly surrounded by things that point to God. And yet uh, you and I can be so blind and not see God standing right there. Um, and then we don't even address, address God. <clears throat> Excuse me. We, we make ourselves the, 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 uh, the star of the movie and we relegate God, uh, if we care about God at all, to a supporting actor. Uh, and, uh, and then we live that way. And then ultimately, sometimes we are terribly unfulfilled. And so, you know, Moses had been raised in the best private schools in Egypt. He had a silver spoon shoved down his throat. Uh, he was adopted by the right family. They, they took good care of him. Uh, because of the deep compassion for a laborer, an Egyptian slave, Hebrew slave, rather, uh, he responds with violence, kills the Egyptian, and then his life uh, gets uh, sort of upended and he runs away, is banished, etc. And so in the space of the wilderness, and this is especially relevant for Lent, in the space of the, of the wilderness, in the space of the running away, the disorientation, somehow he's broken open. And uh, he sees this bush in the distance uh, and, uh, and has to see about it. And then, you know, we know the story from there. All right. Well, we'll be right back after a short break. Hi, listeners. This is your producer, Easton Davis, thanking you for listening to Four People, a space of digital evangelism. We are in week four of Growing in the Wilderness, a five-part series with Bishop Wright. We encourage you to watch each week with a friend and download the Reflection Guide to take a deeper dive. Join us in keeping a holy land. And now back to four people. Welcome back to four people. Bishop, I'm aware of how many folks avoid intimacy altogether, Um, not just with God, but with one another. And I can't help but wonder if that's fueled by shame. Um, you mentioned fig leaves (laughs) (laughs) and having the desire for God's love, but afraid to love God too much. Yeah. And so I'm wondering if you have any advice for people who deal with shame and want to transform that into something different. Yeah. You know, I, um, well, you know, intimacy in general, right. Uh, A lot of us have, you know, partial or even broken lives with intimacy. Uh, and in some ways, that's because of the fear of shame or the experience of shame or guilt or, you know, really uh, uh, terrible insecurities about ourselves. Um, you know, as I said in the meditation, it takes a bit of courage to, to want to allow oneself to be known and deeply known, take some, take some confidence, um, uh, take some security. Um, this, this radical acceptance has to be present for us to feel, at least that's true for me. 
I have to I have to feel comfortable uh, that I'm in that I'm in good hands. A lot of us uh, have developed uh, really wonderful impenetrable armor in this life, uh, so that we can make it through all the the slings and arrows, only to find out that the very thing that we've uh, built up around ourselves has imprisoned us. And so, and so we, sometimes we, we're in a prison of our own making. Um, and, you know, and I get it. I understand uh, we've been hurt. Uh, we've been laid low by life and we've been betrayed and uh, feelings have been hurt, et cetera. I mean, I totally get it. But these are the, these are the blocks to intimacy. It takes real courage to, to, to get to a place where you can say, here I am. I mean that's a that's a pretty amazing uh, thing to say, especially if you got some stuff. You know Moses had some stuff. Uh, you know, as I said, you know he had, he had killed a man. He had some stuff. He had, he's he was a runaway. He did not have the actual uh, biological pedigree that the, his his playmates in Egypt had. He was a Hebrew. He was of the slave class, the enslaved cl- class, and so. All of these things may have been, you don't want to read too much into things, may have been barriers. And so the question really is, what are our own barriers to intimacy? That's that's what I hope the question begs is, you know, what are yours? What are mine? Um, you know, uh, that's why I said that line in the meditation about we, we want God's love, but we're afraid to, to, to be known too much and we're afraid to love God too much, right? And, uh, and so we, we never quite get to the freedom that is available in God, and we never quite get to the freedom that's available to us in life in a secure relationship. And so we end up, you know, sort of terribly bifurcated. So, you know, in God is this freedom. And it's interesting to me, and I had never seen it before, that Moses has to be known and deeply known and perhaps be set free in that exchange with the great I am God before he can really be a deliverer. I mean, he, he is a delivered deliverer, uh, is what I is what I would argue, and I would say th- that is true for us. Uh, you know, you and I can be better ambassadors for the liberative life with God when we know something of it. And and let me hurry up to say, you know, nobody here is assuming that uh, once we get to that place, we're some some uh, some kind of uh, perfect people or completely whole or everything is fixed. And that's just not the case. We're, we are forever wounded healers. We are forever, forever. Henri Nouwen had it exactly right. We are forever wounded healers. But we can, we can be transformed through intimacy with God from simply wounded simply consumed by our pain, simply consumed by our shame and guilt, into using those very things for our own transformation through the grace of God and for the transformation of the people we encounter. So can we just get practical just a little bit? Because that was awesome. That was beautiful. And I know when I'm going to ask this question, you're going to say, oh, yeah, pray, because that's your shtick, because you're right. (laughs) Not only (laughs) is it my shtick, it's in the book. (laughs) I know, right? I get this. So I was going to say, what are some concrete ways for us to increase our intimacy factor with God? And, And I'm wondering, like, yes, prayer. Are, is there a certain a certain type of prayer or ways to pray or maybe other spiritual practices that folks might try? Yeah. Well, you know, there's there's very practical things. I mean, sometimes intimacy with God and with others is 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 um 
is limited because you and I have unprocessed uh, uh, stuff. You know, in the Episcopal Church, at least in other denominations, you know, we have something, a service, a practical service in the book called the Reconciliation of a Penitent. And it is cathartic uh, to, if, if there's something that, if there's a pebble in your shoe, if there's a misdeed, a misdoing, a misdecision that you have done and it's weighing on your conscience, you can cough that mucus up. You could confess that. Uh, it's one of the most underutilized services in the Episcopal Church. And yet, there it is. There's the burning bush right there. You can come to that bush. You can say your name. You can say what you have done. And you can ask for God's forgiveness. And the priest is there. Uh, to pronounce God's absolution over here. That's a practical thing. You can go to the therapist. You can talk to the therapist about those things which limit you, which what are your fears, right? What has been done to you? Tell them where it hurts. I had I heard Ruby Bridges talk about one time, you got to tell, tell somebody where it hurts. And sometimes it's a physical location and sometimes it's a soul location. You got to tell them where it hurts. You got to then talk to God about the thing. Tell God where it hurts. You know, we we talk about prayer like it's microwave popcorn, but the Bible talks about praying about something for 40 days. It talks about committing to a particular prayer uh, for a season, you know, um, it, to lift up that thing to God. Uh, you know, and I'm old school, even if on your knees at the side of your bed, um, you know, for a season until... Uh, that grace breaks in and something softens in your heart or something softens in your mind, or you start to believe, and here's what I want people to hear, or you start to believe you're already forgiven and that it's you who is holding you down because you feel like you need to be punished and you're putting that on God. But that is not the way God operates. God is trustworthy and God says, come to me. Isn't it clear that God knew exactly who God was talking to when he was talking to Moses Mm -hmm. or Paul or Jesus was talking to Mary Magdalene or the woman by the well? God knows exactly who God is talking to. And so God does not remember our sins in the way that we remember our sins, right? And so if we do these things to ourselves, what do we do to others, right? And so there really is release here in this intimacy with God. But one of the things that that grieves me so is that people will sit in churches for decades and still not actually believe that God has already forgiven them. And it's tragic. And and it's a frustration of the grace that God wants to extend to us freely and undeserved, right? You can't earn it. That's the thing that we can't get our head around. You can't earn it. And so, you know, I can't speak for Moses, but that must have registered in him some kind of way, way. Not only was he a murderer, not only was he was a, a social imposter, if you will, uh, uh, but uh, you know, but also he had a physical impairment. He was not eloquent. He was not well spoken. And God, see, this is the genius of God. This is why you got to fall in love with God. Speaking of intimacy. I mean, because, you know, what is adoration? What is devotion? It is in some ways to fall in love with the way God goes about the business of being God. Nobody is like God. And so God uses the cracked and broken things of this world to shine God's grace and beauty through. And that's just the way God decided to get down. And thanks be to God for that. You know, it's we who have the perfection trip. 
That's not God's thing. You know, you ever look at a landscape, you ever look at a mountain, the Rocky Mountains, those things are not perfect, but they somehow give God pleasure. And so, and so that's the invitation here is that what would it be like if you just got real with God for a little while and said out loud, you know, all the stuff, all of it, just said it all to God and just know, just know there is nothing that you can say that would distance God from you. Nothing, nothing you could say. And then know that after you confess it all, after you cough it up, you are still the beloved apple of eye, apple of God's eye. Wow. Thank God for that. Uh, Bishop, thank you so much. And thanks, friends, for listening to Four People. Now, during Lent, Bishop Wright is doing a video series called Growing in the Wilderness, and you can check that out at episcopalatlanta.org. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Bishop Rob Wright. Please subscribe, leave a review, and we'll be back with you next week.